Today on Lockdown Red Wings, Tony Ferrari of the Hockey News joins us yet again as we do a prospect profile on David Juracek, as well as break down the Lockdown NHL's first mock draft. Your Lockdown Red Wings, your daily podcast on the Detroit Red Wings, part of the Lockdown Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome back to the Locked on Red Wings podcast. I'm your host, Brian Fisher, and with me today is not Scotty, as he has taken the day off. He's still fighting off whatever illness that could be, but replacing him, and I think, honestly, a little bit of an upgrade. Tony Ferrari. Tony, you've been on twice so far since I've taken over. Third time is going to be the best one yet. Well, yeah, because Scotty's not here to ruin it. Scotty's so not uh, here to ruin we're, it. We're running hot. It. I'm going to make sure to clip that and post that because he always threatens he's going to clip stuff and post it. So that's I'm definitely going to do that. So, Tony, obviously, you're ready for the hockey news. We've had you on multiple times, like I just said. Uh, last time we had you on, you helped us do a prospect profile. And we're going to do the same thing today. First thing first here in the first segment, probably first two segments, we're going to talk about the Czech defenseman David Juracek. Czech defenseman David Juracek. Look at that. That's, that's just it's perfect. Um. He is six foot three, 190 pounds, only 18 years old in this past season with HC. I'm not even gonna try and pronounce that because I'm gonna butcher it. Uh, he had 11 points, five goals, six assists in 29, 29 games played. Uh, Tony, what did you see from this defenseman this past season? Well, the big thing with Juracek is he's so skilled and so raw that I think there's so much ability that we haven't even really seen yet. This guy's an extremely fluid skater, he's got so much extension in his legs. He's an incredibly talented offensive player that that has that willingness to kind of be daring and use that killer instinct and and for me that's what separates him from a guy like Simon Nemich for me is he he has they both have the skating ability they both have that offensive mindset and and you saw Nemich do so much in the Slovakian league but Juracek is a guy that was able to do it at the Czech league and do it at various international events and he has the willingness to try stuff and I think that's where the the separation is is because Nemec was a little bit more reserved. He was a little bit more ca- a little cautious in his own zone, whereas Juracek was a guy that was taking control. He was taking the lead on so many different things, and I think that's what you value at the NHL level is a guy that's willing to kind of assert himself in the lineup. And at the end of the day, I think Juracek is a better defender. I still think he has a long way to go. He's more willing to use his physicality, and I think there's so many little things that he does in the game, whether it's in transition at the offensive end or at the defensive end with his stick and using his skill work that you just love to see from a guy like that at this age. And, and for me, he's the only defenseman that if he falls to eight, I look for Detroit and I'm like, if, if he falls there, that's a defenseman you take, even if there is a guy like Matthew Savoy or Frank Nazar on the board, because as much as we, we see guys like Edvinson, Sider, even going down the lineup a little bit, Wallander and stuff like that, this is a guy that could be a, another true pillar on the back end for Detroit. And I, I'd love to see him in Detroit if he falls there. But if we're being completely honest, he probably gets taken a little bit before Detroit's up. Yeah, that's what I was going to say, Tony, because I'm looking at his Elite Prospects page right now, and the lowest I see him ranked is 11th, but every other single ranking I'm seeing is 7th or higher. He's No one is expecting him to be there at 8. I don't expect him to be there at 8. He is probably, most people would consider him, like you were just saying, the best defenseman in this draft class. Um, but what makes him, and you kind of you hinted at it there about just he's kind of an overall better, a little bit more raw but when you think about his ceiling, if he can really 
I guess, take the, that raw potential and hone it. What is the ceiling for a guy like Juracek in the NHL? Well, I think this draft class lacks a true number one. Like, I don't think there's a, a guy that's going to be able to come in and take over a team. And for Detroit, you don't need that. You have the guy that just won the call to the horse. Year. Probably should have got some Norris votes, but uh, instead people gave him to Chris Tanev, which, okay. <laughs> um, but no, honestly, like, this is a guy that uh, he'd come in, he could play that 2A, 2B role with Simon Edmondson and, and be a legitimate number two defenseman, a guy that can play at the top on the top pair. And not necessarily be the guy on the top pair, or or he could be the guy on the second pair and really run the show from that that setting. And, and I think he's a guy that, at the end of the day, he's going to be able to be an NHL defenseman because he plays that mean style. He's been suspended a couple times for cross-checking dudes in the head or cross-checking dudes in the neck. Uh, once after the whistle, once before, like during play, I think. Uh, he's more than willing to get physical. He has all those abilities and the, that nasty streak as well. But he also has that big shot. He also has a, some really fun playmaking ability. And like I said, he has that killer instinct with the puck on his stick where he's willing to attack. And I think that's something that lacks so much in defensemen, at least defensemen against at, at the men's level, like he's played at for so much of the year. You, you see so many of these guys at the junior level be the that flashy, dangling defenseman that can walk the line and do all sorts of things. And then when they get to the men's level, they kind of reserve themselves and they pull pull back in and rein in a little bit. Eurocheck's like, no, 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 no. I'm I'm here to take over. I'm here to be that guy still. And he doesn't know how to take that that out of his game. And I, I think that's an excellent trait for a guy like him. Well, and so that brings me to the next topic, too, because you've talked about him in the defensive zone. You've talked about him on the blue line in the offensive zone. And one of the things I've, I've continue to read about him is his skill along the blue line, his ability to kind of maintain possession right there. Is he in your estimation more of a offensive defenseman, defensive defenseman, or do you think he's one of those balanced two-way defensemen who can do a little bit of everything kind of like more side or not trying to make that direct comparison, but that's more side is a pretty, pretty dang good two-way defenseman. Yeah, and I think we're seeing more and more nowadays where these two-way defensemen do kind of lean one way or the other. And I think Moritz Sider is a, a, two-way def- a defensive two-way defenseman where he leans a little bit more on the defensive side of things, but we certainly see him do some special things on the offensive end. And I think Juracek, on the other hand, is that offensive two-way defenseman where he's certainly able to play a defensive game and shut down the other pair, bang guys along the board. Well, that's kind of weird. Um, <laughs> uh, hit guys up along the boards, finish guys down low in the offensive or defensive zone and whatnot. But he still has that flair and that flash. And like I said, that daring uh, willingness to attack and, and engage offensively. So I think he does lean a little bit more offensively. But I do see him as a two-way defenseman at the next level. Yeah, and like I, I completely agree with what you said earlier, too. If if he is available, I don't care who else is on the board. If he's available at eight for whatever reason, I feel like he's someone you got to you got to take. And you, you mentioned it a little bit before we started recording. You said this is a guy you could potentially see take a Zadina-style slide this draft why do you think that a guy who we're touting up as maybe the best defenseman in this draft could fall past you know four five six potentially as slim as that chance may be potentially to eighth well i think the big thing is he was injured this year so we we did get to see him kind of play and then not play for a while and when he did come back there was a little bit of a hitch in his step there was a little bit of a a slow start at times for him but at the end of the day i don't think the injury is going to take him out long term like he's he was back this year. He was playing. He looked more than capable at, at times when he was playing again this year. But he got hurt at the World Juniors, which was canceled and became a pointless event. So it was kind of a pointless injury. But at the end of the day, that might be a reason that he slides down a little bit. I think we've seen Simon Nemec get a ton of love. And there's there's a big debate between who's the two best defensemen in this draft class between him and Nemec. 
And at the end of the day, I think a guy like Kevin Korczynski is starting to rise up for us. Dent Matejchuk is getting a lot of love from certain people. So could one of those guys even sneak ahead of him? If they do, then that becomes a much bigger reality that this guy could be here at, at number eight for the Detroit Red Wings. So then my next question, I guess, is we've talked a lot about what he brings to the table, his skill set. He's raw. Um, he's a bit of a two-way defenseman, which is great to see because NHL needs that, even if he leans one way more so than the other. But like, what are things that he still needs to improve on to kind of hone those raw aspects of his game? What have you seen that he still lacks? I think the, the one thing in the offensive zone I think he needs to do is not take so many shots from low danger. He's got a great one-timer. He's got a big shot from the point. But push in. Like there's been a few times where he you see 10, 15 feet of space in front of him. They're not covering him at the point. And instead of come moving into the high slot, he just takes a shot from above the circles and stuff like that. Hone in on, on where you want to take your shots, move into high danger a little bit more. And I think that could make him really a lot more effective. And on the defensive end, I think it's just little things with his footwork, such as the pivoting when he's defending the rush and stuff like that. Understanding when and when not to jump up and close that gap out really quickly. Um, just little things like that. I think all of the, the the aspects of his game are there. He's done it at different times this year. It's just doing it more consistently and showing that that's part of his game regularly than rather than just a flash in the pan. That's awesome. Um, going to get to a quick little ad read here for Bet Online, but when we come back, we're going to wrap up this conversation on David Yerchek and then move on to the NHL mock draft, locked on NHL mock draft, rather. Um, Today's episode is brought to you by BetOnline. BetOnline.net is your number one source for all your betting needs and sports info. Find all the latest sports developments, league reviews, and news, including this year's NHL playoffs and Major League Baseball. BetOnline is your continued source for all your sport wagering information, including live betting, esports, and scores. And BetOnline.net remains the best spot for all your sports scores, podcasts, and news this season. BetOnline.net is the fastest and easiest way to check in on all your favorite sports and events, including MMA, boxing, and golf. Head to the website today or use your mobile device to learn more about the trends and action. Bet online, where the game starts. All right, I'm joined by Tony Ferrari of the Hockey News as we enter segment two. Scotty is off today. He is fighting off a little bit of an illness. I think he's exaggerating it. I think he just didn't want to hang out with me today, but that's fine. I replaced him with somebody much cooler. Um, we're talking about David Yerichek and doing a little bit of prospect profile on a guy who probably won't be there for the Red Wings at eight but just doing due diligence and talking about a guy who could be possibly the best defenseman in this class. And, you know, there's one thing I've noticed a lot. I don't know if it's more so this year than most other years, but of all the guys we've done prospect profiles on Tony, there's a lot of guys from a lot of different leagues. A lot. We've talked about guys from the Slovakian league. We've talked about guys from the Czech league, guys from the Finn league, guys from the Swedish league. Your Czech played for the Czech league and you know, this is where somebody like you who's watched a lot of European hockey and seen a lot of tape comes in. But do you think that his his status as a top five, potential top five pick in this draft is inflated or maybe deflated based on the league that he's playing in? Uh, with your check, it's, it's interesting because I think a guy like Nemec in playing the Slovak League, I do think the Slovak League is a, a under under the Czech League in terms of talent level and skill. But it, it seems to be that people are starting to disregard that a little bit. I think we go back a few years to more outsiders draft year where the DEL was kind of slammed and a lot of people were like, eh, it's just the German league. It doesn't matter. It's not very good. They don't back check this, that, and the other thing. And then more outsider worked out and he looked really good the next year. I mean, you had Stutzel do the same thing. And it's like, ah, it's just the DEL. It's not blah, blah, blah. Same stuff. And Stutzel worked out. So I think people are starting to go, oh, I guess it doesn't really matter what the pro league is. 
if it's a pro league, these players are playing against men. They're playing against guys that are bigger, stronger, oftentimes faster than them. So I think at the end of the day, the last couple of years, especially this year, where there is so many players from the Slovak League, the Czech League, the the Finnish League, and, and all the pro leagues around Europe, whether it's the SHL or the Liga, or even the, the second-tier leagues like the Alsvenskan, you're, you're getting got teams looking at these players and going, okay, like there's something here. Like that, that men's league experience truly is valuable. And I think certain teams discovered that years ago. I think Detroit's a team that we've seen draft from the, the Swedish pro league a million times for all yeah. these years that we've been watching this team draft and do well in the draft and drafting Europeans specifically. And I think that's something that all the teams are starting to get a hold of now. And they're, they're starting to realize that the pro league does matter. So I, I would say it's boosting his draft stock a little bit. And like I said, if it weren't for the injury, I think this guy would probably be a clear-cut top three pick. If you had to take a guess as to what team would take it, take David Yerichek before he was available for the Red Wings at eight, what team do you think would... I know a lot of times NHL draft is... you And any major league sport draft is take the best guy available, not based on need. But a team that could use a Yerichek, what team do you think it could possibly be? Well, I think you look at Seattle first off. They're, they they drafted the center last year with Matty Beneers at, at their top pick, and I think great pick by the way. Yeah, Michigan I man. love I love that pick. Um, he was my number one on my board last year. So them getting him after number one seemed like a great great value for me. And I think them getting Eurocheck this year would be an awesome value for them too because I do think they need a defenseman. Outside of them, I think a team like Philadelphia would be an awesome spot for him, and or even Columbus. So I think you get through those those three teams in in Seattle, uh, Philly, and Columbus at. Uh, four, five, six, and, and then we all know Ottawa's going to go off the board and draft like Nathan Gauthier, who's a perfectly <laughs> good player, but he's not a top five pick, uh, and they're going to take him at number seven and do their thing, and then that leaves Detroit. So I think if you can get through those top those three at four, five, six, that's where you're really worried about it. But I think out of any of those teams, Seattle or Philly feel, feel like the two teams that would really you could use a defenseman like Juracek. Yeah, I think this is a, a good opportunity too to maybe transition into the. Locked on NHL mock draft because it's a really interesting draft year for the NHL where, you know, it, it's starting to, you know, Bob McKenzie's draft came out today and he doesn't have Shane Wright as the number one overall draft pick. I think it was what Slavkovsky. So it's getting to a really interesting point in the season where you, you're pretty confident, 99% confident, Wright, Slavkovsky and Cooley are going to go one, two and three. But after that, you know, it, it could be anyone it feels like could go because there's a lot of it. And we've talked about it before when you were on the talent level feels like it's all on a similar caliber. And also there was so little film and tape on a lot of these players because of COVID that a lot of teams don't actually maybe know what the best option is that's available. And I'm going to throw up. So this was the locked on NHL's mock draft. This is what we did at every single host made a pick and these are the decisions that we went to and the Montreal lockdown Canadians took Shane Wright. Number one, the lockdown devils took Slavkovsky number two, Cooley went three to coyotes and see, here's where you were. You were really close because the Kraken took Nemich at fourth overall, whereas flyers took your, your at fifth overall. So can you see that argument for Nemich over your at fourth overall? Yeah, I definitely can. Like, it, it totally makes sense to have those two guys as those number four or five picks. I think there's a reality where I think Nemec goes ahead. And like I said, the, the injury to Juracek early in the year was a big reason that it's possible that he goes uh, a little bit ahead of him. And Nemec is a very good defenseman as it is, so I don't think it's like a bad pick by any means for him to go one spot ahead or even a couple spots ahead. 
But it's going to be really interesting to see what those teams value at the at number four, five, six spot. Because, like I said, there's one of those two defensemen are going to go in that four or five spot. I think it's been nine, ten years since a defenseman didn't go in the top five, if not longer. So one of them are going to go, whether it's Simon Nemich or David Juracek. I'd love to see Juracek go ahead, but because I think he's personally the better player at this stage and, and probably will be the better player long term. But I could see the argument for Nemec because he did put up such huge numbers in the Slovak league and the Slovak league is what it is. It's a, in my opinion, it's a little bit under, under the Czech league, but Nemec did put up a ridiculous year. He put up an insane playoffs where he's almost a point of game player through 19 games. And I think he had 17 points. So there, the arguments are there to be made for sure. So we kind of jumped ahead though. Uh, we kind of skimmed right over the one, two, three. Do you have any qualms with that? One, two, three. Do you think that's a uh, pretty, pretty easy one, two, three for these yeah, teams. Yeah, I think, I think that's the one, two, three, uh, Slavkovsky and Cooley in that order. I, I could see it because I think devil's fans, especially as weirdly as it sounds, they're like, we don't want center depth. We're fine with Hughes and Heeshear. And I'm like, yeah, but how fun would it be? Hughes, Heeshear and Cooley or Hughes, Cooley and Heeshear. Like then if you have Heeshear or Cooley as your number three center, I think you're laughing for, for, for a long time oh, for man. a decade or Crazy. so. So in my opinion, you probably go. I I have Cooley ahead of your uh, Slavkovsky there, but Slavkovsky is my number three or four prospect on on my board. So I I don't think those. Th- I think those three are probably the three that go. I don't see a world where Wright doesn't go number one. I know Bob's list has him at number two now and everything. And Bob's list is the most accurate list. It's the Bible of drafts of draft Twitter. Draft He's been Twitter. right what ten years in a row. Yeah, I, I, I that's just it. I don't. I I, I saw someone go back. I think. 12 years or 10 years, something like that today. And they're like, he's nailed every number one pick. So does he go number one? It's going to be really interesting because if Slavkovsky does go, the, the Canadians are passing up a ton of value at the center position, a position that they're not particularly strong at down the middle. Well, that's, that's exactly it too. Like I, I, I say this all the time on the podcast and this is just my personal belief belief. And I think a lot of people, I don't think it's a minority opinion, but center holds more value. And I know you take yeah. the best player available. And if you think Slavkovsky is the best player available, you take him, but Shane writes a center and that opens up so much more, so many more doors because center, you know, center has to play it all on the ice. Whereas the wingers, you know, every player on forward, you know, helps out, helps each other out. But center does most of the workload. They are the horse. They play forward. They play defense. They're the first ones in the offensive zone. They're the first ones in the defensive zone. They're playing high slot. They're basically a third defenseman in the high slot. Center holds so much value, especially when they're a great two-way forward, two-way center. So to pass up on Shane Wright for a winger in Slavkovsky, I mean, if he's scoring you 40 goals, I'm sure you don't really care because you got a 40-goal scorer. But just in, in my opinion, I, I can't see Shane Wright not going first overall. I just I, – I can't. Yeah, and that's that's partially my reason why I have Cooley ahead of Slavkovsky on my board as well because I think Cooley brings so much of those center quality. Like he is going to be a center at the next level, I think, and he's going to be a guy that I think has a pretty good two way game. And in my opinion, he probably has the highest upside of any player in this draft. I think his skill level is incredible. I think he's the ability to play center, and he's going to play center. So he's a guy that I look at, and I'm like, I still have him ahead of things. So if if I'm making any argument for any player outside of Shane right at number one, it'd be Logan Cooley, not Slavkovsky. Yeah, and then so. Moving ahead from fifth overall, going back now to where we started, um, sixth, seven, and eighth, eight is where it gets really interesting. You're really starting to see names pop up that maybe you're like, oh, I don't know if they would go there or not. And we're kind of no exception. I mean, if you listen to Lockdown Red Wings, you know, we've you've heard a lot of praise on Brad Lambert. Uh, you, Tony, Sam McGilligan, and Will Scouch all praise him very highly. 
The Blue Jackets take Frank Nazar out of Michigan, sixth overall. They take the Senators, locked on Senators, took Cutter Gaudier, exactly who you said they would take, at seventh. And then Brad Lambert, they're at eighth. Scotty and I, partly influenced because of all, all we've heard, all the hype we've heard, we decided that at eighth overall, why not take a swing at the fences, swing for the fences at a player who could genuinely become a bona fide top line center if he can reach his potential? Obviously, the production hasn't been there for him this past season, but from everything we've heard from you, Sam, and Will, it seems as if he has all the tools and he continued to put himself in a position to succeed, but the players around him could not finish the job in a lot of the cases. So we decided to take a swing at the fences for Brad Lambert at eight. Overall, what do you make of that? I love it. I, I absolutely love it. I think Frank Nazar has been my boy all year, and Brad Lambert's been right there with him. I think those two guys are two players that I've probably praised more than anybody else in this draft class. And, and seeing them go six and eight in this this draft with Cutter Goche slammed right in the middle, like a, he kind of belongs with the Senators. Who, like I said, he's not a bad player, but he is the Senators' pick where it's a slight reach, and it is what it is. But I think Nazar going at six is an outstanding pick. I think he's got so much skill, so much upside. Uh, the controlled chaos in his game is absolutely fun to watch. I think going to Michigan, is it'll get some of that goofiness out of his game and, and really refine him into the player that he can be. And then Brad Lambert at eight to Detroit. I think Detroit's been here before. They drafted uh, Lucas Raymond, who had a lot of the same issues in terms of, hey, well, he's not producing, he's not doing this, he's not doing that. But all the skill levels there, all the talents there, all the processes there. Can he do it now that he has teammates around him that can actually play? And we watched Lucas Raymond finish fourth in the Calder voting this year and uh, to be completely honest right through christmas he was probably number two or three right oh, behind yeah. Sider. so it this is a guy that i think brad lambert could come in have a similar kind of path as, as lucas raymond i don't think they're the same player at all i think they do have different skill sets and everything but at the same time that process is there that skill is there put in a bad situation they didn't produce let's see them get put in a good situation and see what they can do well, like I genuinely, I genuinely do hope that he does develop as a center because again, that conversation we just had a couple minutes ago, but you know, worst case scenario goes back to being an effective winger. I think that's still a win. I think yeah. that's still a win when you're picking eighth overall. Now, after eighth overall, it is when it really gets interesting <laughs> because you want to talk just kind of as a chunk here, nine through 16, uh, the Sabres take Joaquin Kemmel, uh, the Ducks take Kevin Korchinski, the Sharks take Lakari Maki. The Blue Jackets take Min. <laughs> Help me out here. How do you pronounce that? Pavel Minchukov. Minchukov at twelfth overall, their second uh, first round pick. The Islanders take Ivan. Gonna need you again. Maroshenchenko. Okay, I'm never getting that one. Uh, <laughs> Locked on Jets take Denton Mateachuk. Mateachuk. Yeah. Oh, there we go. Uh, the Canucks take Isaac Howard, and the Sabers with their second. Uh, First-round pick, take Rucker McGrody out of Michigan. One name is left off this top 16, and uh, locked on NHL and all of the shows caught what I believe is some well-deserved heat, including us. Matthew Savoy did not get taken in the top 16, and, you know, I think that, I think what happened here is that there were a lot of teams that kind of had their guy. I mean, us included. Like, if Brad Lambert was available, I, me and Scotty were kind of set that we wanted Brad Lambert because, you know, so Savoy was definitely on our radar, but we didn't think. So when we when we got to eight and we saw Lambert or Savoy, we're like, okay, well, let's swing for the fences at Lambert. But some of these other teams, 
passing on Savoy for Rucker McGrody, Isaac Howard, you know, passing on a center for wingers. I, I just, it, it, it's rough. It's tough to take. I think a lot of play people didn't even notice that Savoy was available. And honestly, I think at the end of the day, there is a reality where it happens, as weird as it sounds. I think we watched Cole Caulfield fall pretty far, far to 15, where he was a guy that I think a lot of people had in the top five, even top 10. And I think the size is a big factor. And I think obviously Savoy isn't five foot five foot two, like uh, our, our boy Cole Caulfield was there. But he's a guy that is smaller, plays center. And I think some teams are just projecting him to be a winger at the end of the day. And I, I think that's wrong in my own opinion. But I think Savoy could be a really good center at the NHL level. He plays extremely well in space. I think that's where he thrives and that's where I'd want him. I look at the list and I'm like, okay, Kamel, Lakaramaki, Minchukov, Matejchuk, Maroshenchenko, Howard, McGrody. Do a few guys, a few of those guys go ahead of him? Sure. I could see three, four of them even maybe. But all of them, that's a tough pill to swallow. So whether it's it's the Islanders getting Maroshenchenko, who's had a bunch of health issues this year. He had up and down play when he was playing. That could very well have been due to the health issues. Uh, whether it's Matejchuk kind of falling down because he is kind of an untranslatable player, as, as is Minchukov. Both those players kind of play positionless defensive hockey where it's like, okay, like how much is that going to translate? How much are we going to have to refine there? Is it McGrody or Howard who are two really good NTDB players, but they're two NTDB players who kind of feel like comp of really high end complimentary guys. So it's, you look at this, this draft, this mock draft and you're like Savoy should be in there where I don't know, because I could kind of justify just about any of these picks. If you made me argue for them. Well, so that leads me to my final question here as we hit the 25 minute mark. Uh, in our recording what is the pick on this mock draft that you like the most you think makes the most sense for a particular team and what pick do you have kind of you scratching your head on a personal like you're like i wouldn't know if i would make that pick well i'll start with two picks that i like the most because the one's going to be kind of cheating because it's shane wright going number one (laughs) i think don't let's not get silly let's just take the center that that projects to be a I know people are going with the Patrice Bergeron mold and that I think that's a little bit much because in my opinion, Patrice Bergeron is a Sidney Crosby of defensive forwards, complete generational talent that we probably won't see again for a very long time. But if you get Ryan O'Reilly, you're not upset. If you get yeah. Pete Jonathan Taves, you're not upset. That's a really good player. So I think that's the kind of player Shane Wright can be. And you take him number one. You don't worry about taking the wing right. Number one, you get, you get your guy. The other one, I'm going to give compliments right to you guys. The Brad Lambert pick at number eight. I love it. I think that's. Oh, a, you're just you're no, just honestly, buttering me up. I say that. You think I say that, but he was number five on my board. He was a player that I think should be drafted in the top ten. I understand the reasons he, he may not be, but this is a guy that has supreme levels of talent. I think there's no reason he shouldn't go in the top ten other than people are just maybe afraid of the, that production. Look how good Lucas Raymond turned out. I, yeah. I keep using that comparison, even though they're not the same style of player. A lot of the same situation that they were in in their draft year was kind of there. So I think Brad Lambert's a guy that I really like in this top 10. As for the the player, I'm kind of scratching my head a little bit. Ottawa Senators, let's just keep doing this, I guess. I don't know. We're just going to keep drafting good, really good middle six guys, and hopefully we can build out a team of them. I like Cutter Gauthier. I do. I think he's up 20 talent. I have him at 18 or 17 on my board. I can maybe argue him up to 12, 13. I can't get him in that top 10 like he is here and do the centers do it again. Sure. Why not? Right. This guy can play center. I think he's a winger at the next level. Um, His playmaking ability is good. Not great. His goal scoring ability is a, is a plus plus trait, but how much do you really want to bank on just a pure goal scoring winger? And it's kind of the same kind of thing we're going, going to with some of these other wingers that we've talked about is, 
what do you really value? And even taking him over a guy like Kamel or Lakaramaki, who I think are better goal scoring wingers. I don't know. Like to me, that's a little bit of a goofy pick. And then the one that I, I it's not that I don't like, but is a, a big wild card is Moroshenchenko at 13 to the Islanders. He's a kid that has an incredible amount of talent. He's got a powerful stride of ridiculous shot. One of the best shots in the draft. He's got all the health issues, the Hodgkin lymphoma that he's de- dealt treatments with this year. Um, he's back on the ice now, so that's a good thing, and there's good signs moving forward and everything. But the health issues are going to scare some teams away, I think, and that's why I think he does fall towards the end of the first round or even in the early second round. So he's a guy that I think Detroit could get a Lambert at eight and then go get Moroshenko at, at the top of the second round. And then you get two guys who one of them are bound to work out, if we're being completely honest, and, and you get some really good value with that. So I think Moroshenko this high, I kind of dig it, to be honest, because I like the player. I don't know if it happens though. Yeah, I, I like all of that. Um, so I guess the the way to end this now is a hard transition. But Tony, how validated do you feel? Ah, uh, oh, I feel so goddamn <laughs> oh <my> good. God. <laughs> oh, more at cider. Prove me right, baby. And on on top of that, Lucas Raymond, have yourself a year as well. Yeah. My two children just finishing top four in the Calder voting with my baby Mo winning it all for me. <laughs> um, his parents may not have been there, but I was for him. Um, oh, that that was a funny. I he's so not even talking about his his sports ability, but he's so charismatic. Like yeah. he gets up there, he's like, I don't have a script, so I'll just go off the cuff. And the first thing he does is take a dig at his parents for not being there. Was just I don't. That's a guy like. If the NHL is smart, they should market the hell out of that guy. Oh, yeah. Because he's such a great personality. Well, but he's also sh- not a goal-scoring forward, so. Yeah. But he's a big-hitting defenseman. So oh, yeah. market him. Market him. I mean, we watched the Mojo show all year long. And I know every fun. Red Wings fan that watched it. Like, it was tons of fun. I remember him telling Joe Valeno, you missed an episode. This is my show now. Like, <laughs> stuff like that. Like, going to the fish market. Just ripping on Lucas Raymond and stuff. Like, it was a ton of fun this year to watch his personality side come out. There was obviously the the video from the, I think it was the World Juniors a few years ago, where he was playing for Team Germany and he's singing ass like that and dropping Eminem as he walks out to the tunnel. <laughs> this guy has a ton of personality. The Red Wings I know are going to market him. They've already started doing it this year. The NHL needs to get on top of it too because having a guy like Zegras, having a guy like this, being two of your huge young stars coming in the league, Man, like you have the opportunity of a lifetime to get the the, the marketing right with these guys because you, you really missed the ball with uh, a lot of guys in the last 10, 15 years. And it wasn't even particularly close in the vault voting either. He got, what, 170 out of 195 yeah. first place votes. And Zegras, all, you know, much credit to him. He had a phenomenal oh. season. I think any other year he wins it. Yeah. But it's just, and I, I mean, Scotty and I have said this time and time again, but with what Moritz Sutter did on the team that he was on was just astonishing. He led the team in time on the ice. He was immediately a first pair defenseman and he was the best defenseman. He did it all. I mean, he was power play. He was penalty kill. He was off. He was offense. He was defense. He was big hits. He was finesse. Like I just, he did it all on a team that just got shelled every single game. Yeah. I you just can't say enough good things about him. And again, Zegras and even bunting. We make all the jokes oh, about him yeah. being 26 years old. You mean 46? I, I, I don't, <laughs> I don't have any issue with that being the top three whatsoever at the end of the season. Um, you know, bunting, it, bunting technically was Calder eligible. So, yep. it, you know, of course he would be a finalist, 
but I, I don't think there's any universe where Moritz Sutter doesn't win it. And then, like you said, Lucas Raymond getting fourth on that. I think that was appropriate. I agree with what you said earlier, too, when you were making comparables and you talked about, you know, through December, he was probably top two. But then his production took a little bit of a dip there. I think finishing fourth is appropriate. And then, you know what? Nedeljkovic got one fifth place vote. So yeah. good for Ned. He was a finalist last year, the double rookie. Let him let him have it. Yeah, let him have the one. So I just I couldn't we can't not talk about Cider when you're on because you were so high on Cider his draft year and every step of the way you've been proven right to like the penultimate, like he won the rookie of the year. I mean, the next step from here is like him winning a Norris, him can't winning Con Smythe, him going uh. to the Hall of Fame. But we're going to have to wait a little bit for those other ones. Yeah, believe me, the celebration I had here is going to be a lot bigger if he wins a Norris Trophy. <laughs> oh, dude, and he didn't get any votes this year, but I get it. I mean, you, you had to give one to Chris Tanev instead. I understand. Yeah, I get it. But, uh, Tony, thank you so much for coming on, filling in for uh, Scotty, who's out sick. Hope Scotty gets better soon. Um, but, yeah, it was a lot of fun. What are you working on? I'd say where can people find you, but it's on the screen. Yeah, I know. You can find me on Twitter at the Tony Ferrari on the screen. Uh, all my works at the Hockey News. My draft rankings are actually out on wingwheelpodcast.com, so you can check them all out there. They're pinned to my Twitter profile as well. Um, and I've got a ton of stuff coming out. I've got uh, th- something coming out that kind of looks at the weak points of every team's draft or every team's prospect pool. So be on the lookout for that. That should be out in the next few days. And a few more Game Tape with Tony videos coming out right before the draft. Awesome. Uh, definitely, guys, go check it out because Tony is one of the best. He is much loved on the Locked On Network. I know he's all over the place constantly. Uh, did me a solid by last minute, like texting you at like 2, 2 p.m. I'm like, hey, is there a way you can do this tonight? Um, so I appreciate that tenfold. And then, uh, yeah, check out his work. Always check out his work. Can't can't emphasize that enough. Um, yeah, one last time. Thanks, Tony. Uh, I will be back. I don't know. It depends. You know, if Scotty's feeling better, hopefully he can be back tomorrow. But same time, same place, to your team every day.